Hello, everyone. This is episode 46 of the JavaScript Air podcast. I am your host, Tyler S. McGinnis, here replacing the Kent C. Dodds, who's currently going to a conference today. Uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors. We have Egghead.io. Egghead is the show's premier sponsor and has a huge library of bite-sized web development training videos. Check them out for content on JavaScript, Angular, React, Node, and more. Egghead.io is also the host of two free Redux courses from Dan Abramov. Find them at egghead.io slash Redux. Next, we have Front of Masters. Front of Masters is a recorded expert-led workshop with courses on advanced JavaScript, asynchronous, and functional JavaScript, as well as lots of other great courses on front-end topics. And then we have TrackJS. TrackJS reports bugs in your JavaScript before customers notice them. And with their telemetry timeline, telemetry, I don't know how to pronounce that, but it sounds great. Uh, You'll have the context to actually fix them. Check them out and start tracking JavaScript errors today at trackjs.com. And also don't forget, if you're watching, you can go ahead and tweet with the JS error question. Wait till the end of the episode to answer those questions, but I think I'll just answer them throughout the episode. So if you have any questions for us, go ahead and use that hashtag. All right, so I want to go ahead and introduce our guests today. Uh, we have two of them. Two of them are, I, I would consider both of you uh, pretty good friends of mine. We have Ken Wheeler, um, and then we also have uh, Bonnie. Go ahead and pronounce your last name, Bonnie. Eisenman. Perfect, there it is. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Let's start with you, Ken. All right, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Ken Wheeler. I, uh, I'm the director of open source at Formidable. Um, and I'm very silly on Twitter. That's true. That's 100% <laughs> the truth. Bonnie, what about you? Um, hi, I'm Bonnie. Uh, I am the author of Learning React Native, uh, published by O'Reilly uh, earlier this year. Um, and I'm a software engineer on Twitter. Uh, outside of programmery things, I have interests like, I don't know, knitting, Esperanto, I'm a dork, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So what I want to do before we actually jump into React Native, um, I, I, think it, I think that all of us kind of have super interesting stories about how we got here. Um, and so I kind of want to highlight those. Like, Ken, why don't you go ahead and start back at when you were like, uh, either when you first got into programming or when you were like 16, whatever comes latest. And then just take us up to like how you got to this point right now. What is your origin story? What is your origin? Yes. So, so, so from there to here? All of it. Yep. All right. You got five, five, minute, five minutes. Let's hear it. Sorry, Kent. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad bought a computer when we were like really, really young. And um, you know, he showed me how to work DOS and everything. So I was DIR slash peeing and all that. Uh, and eventually he started. Like a real start- hacker. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, just got really custom with it and pretty good with it. Um, so I coded a little bit and then when it became time to like go to like the computer lab in, in school, we, we had like a computer lab and it was mostly like typing classes. Um, I was already a proficient typer, right? So when we were doing Mavis beacon and all that, I, uh, you know, just flew through it. So they were like, listen, do whatever you want. Um, so I started writing QBasic then and that was a lot of what fun. Year, what year was this? Uh, I don't know, probably like mid nineties, third grade or so, (laughs) (laughs) something like that. Um, yeah, so I was writing QBasic and then, you know, I like to program. So 
you know, the next couple of years I was writing like visual basic programs, stuff in C, everything like that. Um, and then in high school, I stopped programming for a very long time uh, because I wanted to be a rapper. Uh, <laughs> so let me back up for a second. That throughout that whole time, I was also doing uh, like HTML, like like GeoCities type stuff, like tripod websites. Um, yeah, right. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. So in high school, I wanted to be a rapper. Um, I ended up being more of a rap producer, but I also rapped as well. Um, so I actually got signed as a, and was indeed a rapper. And that was a pretty good time. And then Napster came out. And then like, as like a record producer, like making like money, like it wasn't like as viable of a career if you weren't super popular. Like previously, like it was a bit more viable of a career. But uh, when the bottom fell out on that, uh, I had a bunch of really weird jobs. I was a stockbroker, um, a construction worker. I was a professional matchmaker. Like I would like, I would like, I, it was more sales than anything. But like you know, hook up this, like. This story is worth the whole show right here. <laughs> <laughs> I think after this we just end it. And that, and that's it. I, I was an amateur butcher. That yeah, that was a good time. Um, yeah, and then I don't know. I guess my mom was yelling at me. I was living in her house at the time. I was like in my like super early twenties, and she's like, "Ah, I get a job." So I'm like, "I'm like, okay, relax." So you know, back then, we used to have the the job section in the newspaper. You know, where you want a job, you go look in the newspaper job section, your local newspaper. So I'm like going through. I'm like, ah. Then I was like web developer. I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> so uh, I hadn't done it in years, and I called them up. And I completely lied and said I knew how to do everything. So they were like, they brought me in and I was like, yeah, so I mean, I talked a good game. So they, they hired me. And then I spent like the next month and a half, um, you know, kind of just learning what I needed to learn. And I did, you know, and I worked there for, I don't know, what, like three or four years, probably, um, you know, ascending the ranks and whatnot. Uh, and then I moved to another company. So the, the, the original company, I guess, was like a, uh, like a smaller kind of like local website company. And then I moved to the next place, which I also stayed at for about five years where that was uh, like e-commerce development. So we did work for like Oracle and ATG and everything like that. That was a good time. It was a real good time. And then about two years ago, I uh, came to Formidable. And, uh, you know, we did a bunch of fun React stuff, a bunch of fun React Native stuff. And then very recently, um, they made me the director of open source. So... Here we are today. Yeah. Here you are. And, and so basically your job, if I understand it correctly, is just hacking on open source stuff. Um, since, since you um, basically took that job, you've done, was it, I mean, React Music was part of that, right? Or, or whatever it was called. I forget the... Uh, um, the that, that wasn't like an on-the-clock thing. On. Okay. That, was oh, like nice. a, that, that was just like a, a, a Saturday. That's incredible. Uh, React, the, the gaming one, was that on the clock or was that on a Saturday as well? Nope. Look at that, you, that was you just, gr just grinding on the weekends. That's cool. what I do. You. There you go. Cool. Um, so basically, rapper turned uh, developer and a few things in between. Sure. Very cool. Bonnie, let's hear your story. Wow. I don't know if I can follow up a list that includes uh, like rapper and butcher and all yeah, that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think many of us can, but. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I think pretty similarly, right? Like I had been using computers from a very young age. My first actual memory of learning to type was when I was three, I think. Um, and uh, I actually, the first kind of 
pseudo coding thing that I did was HTML and CSS on a website called Neopets. I don't know if either of you are familiar with it. Uh, Nickelodeon owns it now. It's like this little kid's website that's like primarily populated by like, or at the time it was primarily populated by nine-year-olds. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you have a digital pet and you can customize their page or whatever. And I ended up learning some HTML and CSS to be able to do this. You could like win in-game things on the app uh, or on the website to do if you did this. Um, but mostly it was just like a Flash Games website with some forums and stuff. Um, but so I like was picking up some HTML and CSS stuff, and my father had an e-commerce business uh, and had been complaining because he had some text formatting struggles. Like he needed to bold some things or change the color of something, and to do this, he had to ask his web developer to do so. Um, who you know bills who meant his normal programming rate because all of this was included in his job description. And then I was like, I don't know, eight years old or something. And I said to my dad, Wait, I know how to do that. Um, which I think was the moment when I realized, wait, this is like actually a thing. That's really weird. It's just very weird. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, programming was always sort of a thing that I would pick up and put down and didn't really think of as a separate kind of discipline, right? It was like, oh, you get your first graphing calculator in high school and you can program it. Like, that's nice, whatever. Um, and it was never really, I never really thought about it as like some kind of special magic. It was magic in as much as everything was. Um, and then I ended up going to college and being like, oh, what do I want to major in? Well, computer science seems nice. I don't know. I'll try it. Whatever. Um, and it was really sort of lucky to end up in a CS program that was really excellent and really interesting. Um, and I got to do a lot of fun things there. Like I got to try out computer music and like uh, I took a human computer interaction class on how to build physical so things like, um, I don't know, electronic musical instruments that reacted to light and sound and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I ended up just really enjoying it. Uh, did a couple software internships at Fog Creek and Google. Um, decided that, you know, this was a thing I really liked doing, and I've been a programmer ever since. Um, where, are you, where are you working right now? I'm at Twitter right now. Oh, I've been here for about a year. Ironically, I'm doing nothing to do with JavaScript or React or React Native here. Interesting. So that, so that was another question I had for you, because it doesn't sound like you're, I think I saw on Twitter once, um, you got like at mentioned, you're like, hey, I'm not actually super involved with React Native right now. Um, but with that said, you literally like wrote the book on React Native. So, so what, are, kind of what, how did that happen or, or kind of what got you interested in React Native? Sure. Uh, so um, I had done some native mobile development previously um, on iOS and Android both. Um, and when React Native was announced, uh, well, actually, let me take a step back. So uh, out of school, I joined Codecademy, which is a coding education startup. Um, and I was a full stack developer there. Uh, and at the time, most of our challenges were on the front end. So I was doing a lot of front end work. Maybe like 70% of my day job was uh, in JavaScript. Um, and when I joined the team, React had just come out. Um, and we were all just starting to write a huge new section of the app. So we decided we would try this new shiny thing called uh, this shiny new framework that no one knew much about, and we would give it a go. Um, and so it turns out at the time that if you had like six months of experience working with React, that was actually a fair amount. Uh, that was actually like considerably more than a lot of other people. So even though I was pretty new to the whole web development thing, um, you know, I ended up at the right place at the right time. Uh, and then, so I was speaking at ReactConf when they announced React Native, uh, and I remember sitting in the audience going, oh my goodness, this is super great. Um, you know, I was sort of in the target audience, right? I was someone who knew how to do web development, uh, who was quite comfortable with JavaScript, um, and who had 
done iOS and Android before and knew that I could write an app in them, uh, but I was on a team that had seven developers in the entire company, right? Uh, we didn't have the manpower uh, or sort of the business justification to build out an application on iOS and Android independently. We didn't have the resources to hire a developer for each of those platforms. Um, so I was like, oh my god, this is great. This is like hugely going to change a bunch of things if it works. Um, and yeah, uh, so that was why I was interested in it. Um, as to how I wrote the book, that was the strangest and most intense pitch I've ever had to do, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, did it, I mean, it, it obviously worked out, right? Yeah, it worked out really well. Um, so I had had some previous writing experience, actually, um, for a while. I guess I had been a quote-unquote games journalist uh, for this uh, iPhone app review site, uh, where I basically would just play iPhone games and then uh, blog about them, uh, which was a great job, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but so, like, I was already well accustomed to the whole, you know, okay, I'm going to take a thing and I'm going to write a thing about it really quickly and as efficiently as possible um, and, you know, try to be clear. And I really cared a lot about things like teaching. I care a lot about programming instruction. I was working at a coding education startup. Um, and so a publisher actually approached me after reading one of my React articles, which I wrote on InfoQ, um, and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book about React. And I sort of counteroffered. I was like, what about React Native? because um, this is this shiny new thing and I think it's going to be very important and I think that um, you know it makes a lot of sense to want to to hit the ground running with this and get a book out the gate as early as possible that's that's super interesting and and also great that you got paid to uh, review iPhone games <laughs> um, cool so let's jump into a little bit uh, let's dive in a little bit deeper into react native Ken, can you talk about kind of your experiences with it um, kind of how you got started with it as well? Sure. So um, I had been doing a lot of React at the time for, for a little while there. Um, and then I, I wasn't on, like, the, the React Native, like, beta list. You know, some people got some early access. I wasn't on it either. I, no, I wasn't on that. Um, <laughs> so, but I, but I knew about it, right? Like, you know, I knew that it was, it was coming. And uh, I was very, very excited. So when it finally was released, um, I made the first React Native Florida app within 27 minutes of it being released. <laughs> oh, that was you. So I was, yeah, I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, but from there, I really just started, uh, you know, kind of taking the sort of things that I was doing in React and, uh, you know, really focused on, you know, uh, I guess like exploiting the new device capabilities that that were available to me. Um, so, you know, I was playing around with it and, you know, seeing how far I could push it, uh, brushing up on my Objective-C to do the bridging and whatnot. Um, and then at the, also at the time, I had been building uh, React at Walmart. And so, you know, we were replatforming walmart.com to React, full React architecture. So they were like, hey, how would you like to take a crack at some Walmart React Native stuff? And I was like, absolutely. So, uh yeah, I did, did that for a little while, and, and that was that was interesting because it wasn't just, uh, you know, like, hey, what you know, silly thing can I build today? It's like, you know, it's time to build something real. So a question I get all the time uh, is from, like, React developers. They've done strictly web. They've never touched um, anything to do with, like, native Android and iOS stuff. Um, how easy was it for both of you? Um, and I know both of you kind of had some native experience. Mm -hmm. um, how, how was that transition going from like purely on the web, React, to like React Native? 
So um, I'll answer first if you. That's cool. Please. Um, so I think I hear this question from a lot of people, and a lot of it depends on how comfortable you are with languages outside of JavaScript. I think that it's going to be really different uh, if you've never written anything other than JavaScript versus if you're more of a polyglot programmer who's comfortable reading from other languages even when you don't understand. Um, and it depends a lot on what you're doing with React Native. So for me, um, especially working with it super early on, there was a ton of stuff that just wasn't supported out of the box of the framework, right? Um, and there was a ton of stuff where if you wanted to do things like, I don't know, use SQL, um, then you were going to have to use some kind of, uh, you know, third-party library, or you were going to have to write the bridging yourself. Um, that's less true now, but I think that if you're working with React Native now, it's still really helpful to be able to uh, read Objective-C and Java, even if you don't write it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, the jump wasn't that bad. You can do the vast majority of your work purely from JavaScript um, and just not worry about it. But I think if you want to write something that's really ready for production, um, you need to be at least willing to step outside your comfort zone a little bit. Would you agree with that, Ken? I certainly agree with that. And uh, again, you know, it comes down to what you want to build. You know, I mean, like. Um, if you don't want to do anything super, super, I mean, even if you do want to do pretty fancy things, you can do them, you know? Um, if you have something like Exponent, right, where, uh, you know, it's all mm -hmm. JavaScript, you know, you're, you're kind of relying on everything that's already bridged um, and it's all JavaScript, then, you know, if you're, if you're a JavaScript developer now, you can hop right into that and just, you know, make awesome apps. I mean, you know, it, it's not like if you're just writing JavaScript, you can't build anything. You could build all kinds of things. Like I built Duck Hunt. An exponent with with just JavaScript. That's all. I mean, you know, you can build a, a game in just JavaScript. You can build a lot of things. Um, however, there's certain APIs that that aren't supported out of the box. So, back to you know uh, what what you want to build, right? Um, for example, that that fart app. The, the first app I wanted to build, you know, relied on on playing noises, which wasn't a thing, which still isn't a thing. Um, you know, oh, and, yeah. and again, yeah. This was this was 26 minutes after it was released, so there wasn't a a huge community built up around it, yeah. Um, but, you know, being determined to write said fart app, um, you know, they actually have a phenomenal bridging system. So if, if you want to, anything you want to do, as long as you're willing to get your hands dirty in native code, you could do it. So I wrote a quick bridging class to, you know, it wasn't even like dynamic or pretty or anything like that. It was literally, you call a method and it plays fart noise. But, um, you know, like the stuff at Walmart, right, you have an established mobile uh, you know, code base there. And a lot of it is reusing a lot of that stuff. So, you know, we would bridge into stuff that already exists rather than, you know, trying to recreate it piecemeal out of views. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it, whether you have to write not JavaScript um, is definitely dependent on how ambitious it is. Um, if it's going to prod, I, I would say it's not just the objective C or Java syntax, right? It's, it's, you want to be comfortable with their IDEs as well. Um, so you can do things like check out uh, the, the performance or, you know, update all these, like a lot of the, a lot of the different configurations of these applications are done uh, in the IDE. So, you know, before pushing me some of the prod, you know, you're probably going to be open. You're not just going to react native run iOS. Yeah, I, I think that's a hugely important point. There's so much more to mobile development than just, like, the difference of programming language, right? If you've never done mobile dev before, you're not going to know things like, oh, man, to release for Android, I need to make sure I've actually tested this on, say, phones that have the hardware back button and phones that don't. I need to make sure I've tested it in all these different orientations. Um, 
Like I've seen so many people forget that lefties will hold their phone differently in, in landscape mode than righties, right? Things like that. Um, and so if you don't have any mobile developers on your team with previous mobile experience, you're just going to have to be willing to learn all of that. Yeah, and it's going to, from experience, it might be kind of a pain. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of like native experience when I went into React Native. I've learned a lot, but it's definitely been uh, an interesting transition. So it sounds like uh, if you're a React developer, you can pick up React Native fairly easily. It might get a little bit hairy when it comes down to like deploying or when you have to like bridge, things like that. Uh, what if you're on, like, say you're an Angular developer um, or even just like a, a pure JavaScriptist, if those still exist. Um, say you wanted to come and build a React Native app. Should you start with like learning React first or do you think you, should, you can just jump straight to React Native um, and go from there? So I think I'd break that up a little bit, right? I think what you're really asking is what if you're just generally you have a programming background and yeah. you want to come to this thing? Um, and I think there's a whole bunch of separate skill sets at play, right? And you can learn some of them at the same time, but for some people, you're going to want to learn them separately. Um, so like mobile development, mobile design best practices, uh, React component lifecycle, React Native's particular platform limitations and quirks. There's all these things. Um, and you can learn them in any order, but I think that you're really going to shoot yourself in the foot if you try to do anything before you learn React. Um, and you don't have to learn much React. You need like an hour, really, of playing around with it to understand what is a component, uh, how does it render, uh, and what's the component lifecycle. Like, that's really all that you need in order to be able to read the React Native example code. Without that, I think you're just going to be lost. And I've seen some people try and jump in without even like looking at stuff, uh, at React stuff, but like you need to be able to read JSX. Um, and again, it's not that much extra knowledge. It's like maybe an hour of homework, um, but uh, I think that there's so much stuff. Uh, just like with any other new kind of domain, you're going to want to pick it apart in pieces. Yeah, that's a great answer. So let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons uh, of React Native App. Can if sorry to put you on the spot here, but if you were to list like a few pros and a few cons, um, or like the biggest pros that you have, the biggest cons that you faced, uh, specifically about React Native, what would those be? Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, for pros, right, um, it's very approachable, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, previously, like, uh, you know, native development, like, you, you had to know Java, or you had to know Objective-C, and you had to, you know, not just know them, but you'd have to know, you know, Cocoa or the Android SDK, and then, you know, you'd have to learn how to use the IDs and everything like that. Now, um, you know, you don't really need, need that background. Right, so uh, I mean, you know, it's helpful, right? You can kind of learn as you go along, but you know, now you, you can make apps for for both platforms uh, writing just JavaScript, right? So uh, it, it it makes it a little bit more approachable, and that, I think that's great. Another thing is, you know, um, you know, when you when you look at uh, you know previous attempts to do this, a lot of the time it was web view based, hmm. and you know, it, you know, you were making native apps, but I mean, they weren't really, it was like a native app with a web view with a website inside of it, you know, whereas, you know, React Native is actually native. It's like, you know, real, real native. So, you know, you get those benefits. Um, can, can you tell us a bit about smart. what those benefits are? Uh, I'm not sure if everyone listening has experience dealing with the, the web view based kind of apps. So how does it feel different? Yeah, so I mean, uh, First of all, I mean, animations are way less smoother. And then it's not as responsive, so to say. So, I mean, when you have a, you know, I mean, not all of them, right? Some of them are, 
are fantastic, but most of the time you, you can tell that it's a web view. You know, just a hand feel, it mm -hmm. feels web viewy. Whereas uh, with a React Native app, you know, it, it feels like a native app. You know, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, we've had apps that we've done where, you know, the, we were recreating a previously native version in React Native. Um, and we fooled people into thinking it was the old version because it was, you know, yeah, so that's spot my on. favorite. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure how much uh, the people listening have a background in this, but the whole idea of React Native is that the button feels like a real button because it's literally the same thing. Um, instead of a bunch of HTML and JavaScript trying to pretend to be um, like a, na a native Android UI view or a native iOS view or anything like that. Um, and that's why we can get things to actually feel the same. It's awesome that you did the user testing and fooled people, though. That's, that's sort of the holy grail, right? I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, as far as cons, um, so if you're at a company, and they have mobile developers, and you say that you're going to do React Native, it might not be warmly received. <laughs> which is which is totally legit. Absolutely understandable. Um, so I mean, you know, if you have like native developers who know more about you know native code than you do and the benefits of that, and then you're like, hey, we're going to write this in JavaScript. You know, a lot of the time they're like, JavaScript, really? So you know, there's that. I guess, which is kind of that, that's that's a big con to get by, and then uh, I mean I don't know. There's, there's certain things uh, with Android with Perf that that I haven't been able to get past yet, but I mean there's not a there's not a big list of cons, and everything that I could say is a con is definitely getting worked on. Can I ask you a little bit more about that cultural component, actually? Um, the what? Because. The cultural component of like how do you work with an existing team and an existing app right because like obviously if you go over to someone and you say hey i want to make your entire uh experience i want to render it useless they're going to be upset with you um and this is a lot of the time what i the way that people i think initially react um and then i've seen a lot of like native ios developers come around to being like wait actually all my expertise still matters and i get to develop faster and I get these nice new tools, and I still get to, you know, um, I, I have a deep understanding of iOS perf, I have a deep understanding of all this stuff. Uh, so it's actually, it makes my job better. But convincing people of that and proving it out is really hard. So like, how did your team go about dealing with that? So, you know, I, I tried to be diplomatic from the start to, so I guess the first thing is don't say you're gonna, <laughs> redo the entire application in React Native. Um, you know, that's like, hey, I'm just going to completely destroy everything that's being worked on. You know, that, that's that's absurd. Um, so what what the, the approach that we took initially, right, was, um, you know, there were web views being used, right? Mm. Um, so it was like, you know, if you if you have portions of this application that are hybrid, right, that are, that are using Cordova or, you know, I guess like a, a home-baked internal version of Cordova, it's essentially a bridged up web view. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't need to be a web view. Instead, this can be React Native, and it's not going to be a web view. It's going to be real, right? Um, but you're getting all the benefits that you would of it being a web view. Um, so that, and then, um, yeah, I think a big thing is like working together where it's like, uh, I, I don't want to recreate anything in React Native that they've already done 
you know? So if there's there's an existing native componentry, right? I'd much prefer to bridge it and use it. Um, and at Walmart, that was one of the things that we did where, uh, you know, we had a bunch of controls that they made and then we just bridge them over into React tags, right? So when you have all these primitives as React tags, mm. or React component tags, um, and then you you compose them together in, in a React context, right, in React Native, um, what you then have is you have the stability of those components, but then they all get the benefits of React Native, which is things like uh, live and hot reloading, um, being able to, so, I mean, if you keep the, that logic, like, when you tie them all together and they work together and you keep the logic in JavaScript, suddenly you can do code push updates Right, so you know you're keeping all of that, that really solid base native primitive code. Now, you know that the logic that controls them can now be code pushed over, and yeah, and you know it's yeah that sort of thing. Yeah, and code push is something I don't think we've mentioned yet as a pro, but the fact that you can update your JavaScript over the air is the way people usually call it, um, without having to go through the app store deploy process. That's huge. Like having to wait two weeks to issue a bug fix or two weeks to release a new feature because that's how long it takes to go through the review process. Uh, I, I hate that. It slows down feature development so much. It means that when you screw something up, uh, you know, you really have to pay for it. Um, not having to deal with that is amazing. And I think React Native right now is really the only reliable way to get that done. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the cons. We touched on the pros. Um, obviously, if you know JavaScript, if you know React, you can build a native app now. You can do code push. Um, there are so many pros, which is kind of why it's like taken off. It's a really popular thing now. Uh, some of the cons that I've experienced, maybe you both have ran into these same things. Um, the upgrade process oh. is a little bit hairy. Uh, yeah, it sounds like yeah, yeah. So uh, this this may be. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone else is doing this. This is how I've had the most success after like failing miserably over and over. Uh, so whenever we have to do a big upgrade, which is basically going from like, like if you're not familiar with React Native, it's like, say I was going from like 0.22 to 0.29 or something. Hmm. Um, what I've been doing lately that's been working, and I, again, I don't know if this is the best way, it just worked for us, is basically like create a brand new project, uh, move over all of our code, and then relink everything. Um, just because I'm literally like 0 for 8 trying to run like React Native upgrade and like actually upgrading the Can I ask you a question? Um, for those projects where you're copying things over, yes. do you have any native, like custom native code? No, like you're right. not dealing with a hybrid app, right? Because like for no. the Walmart instance, I assume that would totally that not, would not work. work. No, I mean, we're, yeah, we're a, I, I'm the only developer, which is why we can get away with that. Um, <laughs> but if you have a bigger team than probably just one, it probably won't work. But yeah, we, we also, we aren't doing any like uh, custom bridging or anything like that. Um, it's kind of a pain because you have to like, I mean, it, we're, we're using like the Facebook SDK and things like that. Um, but really, other than that, it's I recommend so, it if you're similar. So if you look in the release notes, um, they say when there are manual steps you have to take, and whenever there's a manual step, React Native upgrade will fail. Um, I've in the past, I want to say year, I haven't had any instances where React Native failed, and there were not release notes. Um, I think it's really awful that. Like, like you were saying, 0.22 to 0.29 is a huge upgrade. Those version numbers suggest that those versions should be compatible without any major breaking changes. And that's not how React Native versions things. And this drives me up a wall. Um, yeah, I hate it. Uh, you have to manually figure out which lines you have to edit. You have to trawl through release notes to figure it out. 
um, it might take me half an hour to upgrade a small, small demo application um, just because I have to go, oh, wait, I have to go into the Android manifest and change this. Oh, I have to relink that. Um, I haven't found a way to make that better. I think the team has been working a lot on making the process smoother, but I'm, I'm not, not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs> so if I could give one piece of advice, it would be like, you need to update your applications, you know, a, a, a single version at a time when the next one comes out. Because uh, if you find yourself like eight releases back, you're gonna have a real bad time. That's 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 what my 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 strategy. My, uh, that seems to be the takeaway. Is basically if you're going up one version, you're good. If you're going up like three plus, uh, it might get a little bit hairy. Yeah, I mean, you can also get away with this by just when you need to do that large jump, because I've done this a couple of times because I have a bunch of like basically sampler apps. Um, just bump it up once incrementally, test it, make sure it still runs, do it again. It's like nothing, nothing's going to blow up. It's just going to take time. Um, this is also a place where I feel like we should plug testing. Uh, you know, it's really great is when you have automated tests that determine whether or not your app launches, and et cetera, et cetera, um, and can build. and that because there's there have been a couple of times where like for example they changed the way you imported react this was a while ago now um but so unless you fixed that import in every javascript file uh it just wouldn't load and you know if there was a component that didn't get loaded all the time you could have missed it um so like testing it's a good thing <laughs> totally. and and to the react native teams uh benefit they do tend to release like code mods for those kind of things so i know like the import one they had a code mod code mod that worked out really well for us Mm -hmm. um, I know, and, and also too, like I know they're trying their best, and I, I see oh, that picture of Christopher yes. behind you, Ken, and it's just making me feel guilty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I think that you know we're all working in a fairly new and immature ecosystem. There's definitely like, yeah, upgrading is a rough edge. Um, I don't want anyone to interpret that as a critique of the people personally. Totally. Yeah. I. I mean, even even for uh, how bad upgrading is, like. The pros outweigh the cons drastically for me. Yeah, I mean, what, what you're getting for each release is, you know, absolutely worth the bump. Totally. Even like the last three releases, I saw some stuff. I was like, "Wow, we have that now!" Like yeah. now, there's a keyboard dot dismiss. Totally. Yeah, so I've been waiting for that for ages. So let's talk a little bit about the routing situation. I don't know if this is necessarily a con. Um, well, there, there are just a lot of options. What were you so I think this plays into the upgrading discussion really well, because um, there's a bunch of options. If you are coming to React Native for the first time, it's really unclear what they all do. Part of this is a naming problem. Navigator iOS is basically deprecated. Um, you can't use it if you want to write cross-platform apps. I forgot about that one. We had a list of four, and that one wasn't on there. Uh, you know what? It's the first one that comes up when you Google it a lot of the time. So that's great. Um, Navigator, I find to be really verbose and not like the best mental model. Um, but my beef right now is with Navigator Experimental, which I like that API better, but what on earth is the migration path planned for something that you merged into master and called Navigator Experimental? Yeah, I, so, so I came, I did my React Native course. I mean, it's probably similar to your book, right? Where uh, were you, did you use Navigator in your book, Bonnie? I used Navigator. There wasn't, an, at the time there yeah. was just Navigator and Navigator iOS. So that's kind of how I've been with my stuff as well. Um, 
So, so the, I guess the question that would most benefit watchers is like, if you're coming to React Native today, if you're starting a brand new React Native app, do you use Navigator, Navigator Navigation Experimental, X Navigator from the Exponent team, uh, the React Router, like mini version, uh, React Native Router Flux, which is another one, or Navigator iOS, mm. which is also another one. So I would say, um, one, figure out what your routing needs are, like generically, separate from all of these libraries, right? Figure out how you want to structure your app. Um, don't worry about navigation too much, because while, yes, navigation is a really hard and important problem, um, you're not going to actually design your app around your navigator, or at least I don't think it's really necessary. Um, and then I would probably recommend Navigator Experimental. Um, I think that basically anyone who builds an app with React Native at this point, like, the navigator... There's lots of navigator options. They're all good enough. Um, chances are, once you have a navigator working in your app, um, it's not going to be worth the cost to switch, even if a more stable one emerges. Um, and it's going to work fine. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating to read the docs for like all five versions, um, but I don't know. I think that we're in a good state where there are good solutions. Uh, none of them are perfect yet. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of churn, uh, but they're good enough. Anything to add, Ken? I would personally recommend Navigation Experimental or X Navigator, and you know the, the the choice being which API the person likes better or prefers using. I don't know if I'd start a new project with regular Navigator. Um, you know, even though Navigation Experimental has a large uppercase experimental on it, I yeah, you can use it. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why yeah, I just yeah, like I mean, the naming, and I'm stuck on the naming, but because Navigator Experimental is actually a very, it's surprisingly mature API. It's totally useful, and it's great, and I think it's a huge step up over Navigator. Um, so yeah, I, I think people shouldn't be afraid of the title. Yeah, and it's been out for like over a year now, right? Um, or it's getting close. Half a year. I want to say half, half a year. year. Um, when it first, there was a period of time before it got merged to master in which some people were still using it. It was coming from a separate GitHub project. Um, but I think it's been in React Native proper for about half a year. Totally. Uh, cool. Let's see here. So, so far, I don't see any uh, Twitter questions coming in. Um, so let's go ahead and is there, is there anything else uh, that either of you want to touch on? in regards to React Native, or should we jump into tips and picks? Um, um. One thing I would like to say is that I want to hear more from people who are using React Native and what their experience has been like. Because um, I haven't heard from a lot of people uh, you know, who are trying it for the first time. And I want to hear more from people who are doing hybrid experiences, like the Walmart one. Um, so if people have. Uh, first-hand accounts. I would love to hear about that on Twitter. Um, I'd like to say that if you, if you, if you uh, want to give React Native a shot, and uh, you, know, you think what we've been talking about here has been interesting, I would definitely check out Exponent. Mm. Uh, Exponent's phenomenal. And if you, if you want to get started, it's a really easy way to do it. You can, uh, you know, they have their own XD that you download. Uh, you know, you don't even have to open Xcode. You can, you know, you don't need a any uh, provisioning profiles or anything like that. You know, you could just take it, you could share your app with your friends. You could have it on your phone. It's a really, really easy way to just kind of mess around or, you know, do quality stuff. But you know, as far as getting started, 
I can't recommend Exponent enough. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea of Exponent is basically like, hey, if you have, if all you have is JavaScript experience, you'll be fine because we've basically taken all the complicated stuff. <laughs> uh, that comes with Android and, and like iOS, the ecosystem, and basically like abstracted it away from you. Yeah, they do. Right. They do a great job. It's, uh, so it's it's only JavaScript, you know, but um, not on top of what React Native already has in Core bridged. You know, there's a couple more things that, that they've personally bridged that they had. Um, so I mean, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of th and, and there's a lot more coming, right? So there's there's not a whole lot of things that able to do if you're going the exponent route. Um, you know, obviously if you're going to do some, you know, large companies mobile app, you know, you might lean towards regular React Native. But I mean, as far as getting started, I can't recommend it enough. And I think that the best way to figure out like what is React Native or something like that, if you haven't tried it yet, uh, definitely like sit down and hack on it for a couple hours. Um, I think pretty quickly it becomes evident like how bizarrely powerful this thing is, where you can write JavaScript and then have working mobile apps with live reloading and you know actually accessing native APIs. All that stuff I think is really well experienced uh, just from you know starting from zero and trying to build an app. Totally. All right, so let's jump into our tips and picks. Bonnie, do you want to go ahead and start us off there? Sure. Um, so I had uh, two tips. Um, so I, I do this thing now where I add stuff to my pocket every, uh, which is you know basically a bookmarking app, um, every week. And then I clear them out at the end of the week. Um, and these were two from this past week that I really liked. Uh, one was this great description of how JavaScript package managers actually work. Um, and why lock files are a good idea sometimes, but not in other cases, um, which was great because Yarn came out uh, recently, and therefore everyone's been like chattering about it. Um, and if you've never looked at how a package manager actually look uh, actually works, um, I really liked you know this very clear beginner level description of uh, the mechanics. That was cool. Um, and then the other one uh, is a post entitled "Why I'm Not a React Native Developer." Um, which I actually thought was a really interesting and even-handed evaluation of some of the pros and cons of React Native, um, including, bizarrely, some of like the legal ramifications, uh, which I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. So even though I, I am personally obviously very pro-React Native and I think it's a wonderful tool, I think it's important that people also read about um, you know, sort of the, the caveats that come with it. Great. And then you also have uh, one pick in there, right? Yeah, so um, I made my first Twitter bot a couple weeks ago, and I've been really enjoying uh, sort of the bot-making community, um, just as a really interesting and artistic and excited and thoughtful group of people. Um, I've been like lurking on the edges. So um, botwiki.org is, quote, an open catalog and community of friendly, useful, and artistic online bots and tools and tutorials that can help you make them. Um, and especially if you only know JavaScript uh, or if you're primarily a web developer, uh, setting up a, uh, a bot you know, on its own server or whatever and dealing with OAuth can feel complicated. It's really not that bad. Um, I set up a, uh, an a ebook style account that basically takes uh, tweets from all of my coworkers and mashes them up into one like Frankenmonster account. Um, and it was just fun. Uh, and so if you're interested in writing Twitter bots, I recommend that. Very nice. Ken, what do you got? All right. So under tips, um, this is going to be like, yeah, this is going to be like published somewhere as like a yep. list on the, okay. Yep, 
Yeah, so, see, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this out loud because it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a long like console command. Um, but it's basically uh, how to how to reset Watchmen and reset the Packager cache. Mm. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, if at any point in time in React Native you're getting an error that you don't understand and I uh, can't really get to the bottom of, and you're like, hey, what's going on here? Why is this broken? I'm gonna quit this development forever. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't recommend clearing your Packager cache enough because that'll that'll solve it a lot of the time. Um, yeah, that is just money. Um, the next one is uh, tryobjectivec.codeschool.com, where if you want to get started with bridging, uh, you know, writing your own native modules, um, Objective C is kind of a funny language uh, to begin with, right? So before React Native came out, I was writing Swift, and I was like, I was like, oh man, this is so nice, and then. Um, I got to React Native and I was like, oh wow, we gotta go do Objective-C again. And I was like, ah. But uh, if, you wanna, if you wanna do your Objective-C thing, um, that, that's a great resource for that. Um, the next one is Jason Brown's React Native Animation book. Um, React Native Animation is, is dope. It's as dope as can be. And that'll show you how to do it. Um, so, you know, Anytime you've ever tried to do like web animation where it was a little funny or the gestures were off or something like that, um, try it in React Native because it is, I mean, absolutely fantastically responsive, really, really, really good. Um, shout out to him too. He always has a lot of really good. Uh, oh, the best. Yeah, his stuff is great. Yeah, I mean, if 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 there's if there's two people to uh, check their stuff out, it's him and uh, Leland Richardson. Uh, the two of them are doing some. Some serious business. Um, and my last tip is to upgrade often. Uh, I guess we touched on that before. Uh, I'm just going to say that again. Upgrade often. Let that sink in for a second. Uh, now for my picks. I was told that these picks can be anything. So, um, yeah, I'm going to start off with some tech picks. Uh, the first one is React Native Responsive Styles by my good man, Yanni Evacalio, although it's under the formidable account. Um, so uh, that is... You know, on phones, right, you, you wouldn't think you know, you're dealing with, like, a responsive sort of thing, but you are. Um, you know, you're flipping the phone sideways, suddenly it becomes wider, or you're on Android, you have, like, these fragmented screen sizes. Um, so that lets you uh, style things accordingly. You know, if you're on a tablet, you know, suddenly, you know, it's not, like, a, a little drawer. Now, you know, it's a, it's a locked sidebar or what have you. Um, that makes that really nice to do. I'm surprised it's not built into core. Um, the next one from my main man, Leland Richardson, is... Uh, React Native Maps, which is fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's a cross-platform maps, and if you have to do maps, just use it. Don't even look at anything else, just use it. Um, one that I'm gonna mention that's not on this list is Victory from Formidable Labs. Um, if you have any charting needs on React Native, um, you know, Victory works on React as, as well as React Native, so that's, that's a really good time, um, and it's getting better by the day. The next one is MobX. Um, which is kind of my jam lately. Uh, you know, I, I've done React Native apps uh, with and without Redux, and now with MobX, and it was it was pleasant. Um, can't recommend Flow Type enough. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really helpful when I was trying to uh, sell mobile developers on writing things in JavaScript. I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, it's not the same JavaScript. This, is, you know, we got we got typing. All this fun stuff. Check it out. This do, you, do you use Flow in all your projects? Um, I aspire to. Not in all of them, but uh, you know, when when I'm able to 
too. I do. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, I'm like, it's basically Swift. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last two things that I have on my picks are uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. I cannot recommend that movie enough. Uh, it is a fantastic film. You know, I mean, you might have thought it was absurd at first, or you know, you're like, ah, that's not. It really, is a really good movie. So, I, I, you know, just just pull the trigger on that one. Um, and then, uh, then I have a link there about uh, the McGriddle being added to the all day breakfast menu at McDonald's. Um, personally, that, that's a big Ken Miller pick. I'm very excited about that. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Make some, just raise awareness, really. Life improvements. Yeah, that, that's all I'm working with here today. <laughs> I mean, it, it should have been, if we're being real, it should have been there from the start. Right? Like, uh, they say all day breakfast. I, do, I go to get all day breakfast, and then there wasn't all day breakfast, and I was just hugely disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree with you. That's a, that's a fantastic pick. All right, I only have one. Um, it is reacttraining.com, uh, training by Michael Jackson and Ryan Florence, the guys who built React Router. Uh, they do a really good job, and I know they put a lot of hard work into that. Um, so that's my only pick. Uh, anything else before we close up? I don't see anything on Twitter. Um, so I think we're good. Any, anything from both of you? Go build cool, cool stuff. Uh, let's go ahead. Go build cool stuff and be nice to each other. That's a, that's a great... <laughs> I, mean, I, I never said be nice to each other. I'll yeah, say be nice to each other. I can vouch for both of those. Yeah, Bonnie and I added that in. All right. So <laughs> we want to go ahead and thank our silver sponsors, uh, React.js program. They help you master React uh, and the React Native ecosystem. Um, and also thanks to Hire.com. They bring job offers to you. Find them at jsair.io slash hired. Um, and also just a few links. If you want to suggest another show, uh, don't really do that because this... This uh, podcast is almost over, so I'm going to go ahead and remove that. But if you want to give feedback or say thanks to Kent C. Dodds, he's a great person, you can do that at jsair.io slash feedback um, or jsair.io slash email. And uh, just as one side note, I was talking to Kent yesterday, and he did mention that he is sunsetting the show, that he's not uh, completely like destroying the show, if that makes sense. So there's a, uh, a very small possibility that JSR will return in the future. Um, so send tweets to him um, in a few months and say, hey, we want JSR back. And I bet he'll give in because it's Kent and he's a very nice guy and he wants to really help people. Such a nice, uh, guy. Such a nice guy. So that's it for us. Thanks for watching. Uh, thank you, Ken and Bonnie. And we will see you on Twitter. <laughs>